Would you please pray with me? Lord, it is such a privilege to gather each and every first day of the week, reminding ourselves of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the victory we have in you, Lord Jesus, and the blessing it is to walk in your kingdom. I pray that as we not only look at this wonderful issue of stewardship as we do every year, but we also remember Edith's life this day, that you be glorified in our midst and warm our hearts to the reality of your grace and truth. For in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Well, in case you weren't aware, this is a very special day and a special season in our lives here at Christ Church West Shore because we always take a couple weeks every year just to remind ourselves what it means to be good stewards in all of our lives. This is not just about money. It's about all the way we use our lives, our time, our ministries here at Christ Church. And oftentimes, our money is a reflection of how we're doing the rest of our lives. But it's also a day when we're going to celebrate Edith Hako. If you didn't know, Edith was Iris's mom, and she was a blessing to all of us who knew her. And so we're going to remember her today because she died during COVID, and we weren't able to honor her appropriately. So like Tom and Mary Miller, we're going to honor her here at the end of our service today. And so as we look and turn your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians 8, stewardship really is an issue of Christian maturity. Uh, Oftentimes we address it in our discipleship groups. Um, Properly defined stewardship is how we use all of our resources. And as a steward, a caretaker for the master... And the resources that the, bio, that the Lord gives us, how do we use them? How do we honor them in all of our lives? Time, ministry, you know, including our work days and our weeks, as well as our money. And we do this every year at this time, practically speaking, because the finance team has put together our budget for 2022. Vestry is beginning to pray through it. And next week will be Stewardship Sunday, where we walk forward for our in-gathering and we make our pledges for the year. And because the reality is, if we don't understand our lives as stewards, we can become a slave to a lifestyle of materialism, and, my, and money can become our God. Because for many in our culture, that's where they get their identity, Right? And I know some people would say, well, I wish I had enough money to have an identity by it, you know. Um, Well, I want you to know, as one who has been there before, (laughs) the very tightened belt budget, um, money can be a problem for the person who doesn't have it just as much as the person who does. It can be destructive or constructive in a person's life. So this morning we're going to look at this passage in 2 Corinthians 8. Paul is writing in 55, 56 A.D. to the church in Corinth, which is a wealthy church. And he's writing to them to show the Macedonian Christians are a great example for this big Jerusalem collection, which they're going to take down to the believers in Jerusalem. And what Paul is showing us is... Act of giving, the grace of giving, he calls it uh, in verse 7, that you excel in this act of grace as well. 
And it all depends upon our hearts. And so there's two great principles that we see in this passage that we have to grasp. And he's talking to them to be freed from money so that we can be free to live unto the Lord. So number one, what we see is God owns it all. And secondly, we as Christians in all of our lives simply follow Jesus Christ. So first, God owns everything. Verse 2, we see he's talking about the Macedonians and why they gave. Paul says here in verse 2, For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Why? Because they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us. This doesn't mean that they gave themselves to Jesus for the very first time. These aren't baby Christians. What he's saying is that in their dirt poverty, they gave themselves abundantly. They've surrendered all of their lives unto Jesus Christ. And he means that while they recognized their poor, they responded with the fact that God owns everything that they possess. So as a result, they're liberated from the need for stuff to be the definition of their lives. And as they got rid of the money as their definition, can you imagine the dignity that the Macedonians had? You know, what little they had was released to empower the church in Jerusalem, and it had a powerful impact. The thing that liberated them to do that was their knowledge that everything they owned belonged to God. They were only stewards. And that's the biblical principle, Psalm 24.1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Job 41.11, everything under heaven belongs to me, says God. Now, when you hear that for the very first time, you're thinking, wait a second. You know, I worked my tail off to get to where I am. You know, I've been worked hard. What do you mean everything I have is God's? Well, the answer to that is, I recognize that. You've worked your tail off, but where'd you get your tail? (laughs) Where'd you get your intellect? Huh? Why weren't you born mentally disabled? You know? Why do you have the health that you have? I mean, we live in a country where where the person who sweeps the floors makes more than 70% of the rest of the world. Right? Okay, my question is, where did you get that wherewithal to do the hard work that you've been doing? The answer is, it's a gift from God. And it's all throughout the Bible that we were built deep down inside to take care of things, to take care of our loved ones. That's stewardship. That's trusteeship. There's no human dignity being made in the image of God unless you are able to take care of things. Adam was built that way, and therefore we're all built that way. That means we're stewards, trustees. And we live in a land of trustees, and our task is to care for them and not rob God. In Malachi 3, God says, will you rob me? How can you rob God? God responds, you rob me in tithes and offerings. Now, what this means simply is if everything that I own is God's, and he says in his words, I want a significant amount of money to go to three things, God's kingdom, God's work in the kingdom, people in their needs, and to the poor. 
the answer about what's so unjust about that, God says, it's my money. I own everything. I gave you the talent. I gave you help. I gave you providential care. And if you're not generous with it, you're robbing me. I've earmarked a portion of what you have to give away. And if you don't, it will destroy you. It'll be your definition. You know, it'll be your shame and it'll strangle you. So that's the first point. God owns it all. The second point that Paul is making here is that all we need to do as God's people is follow the example of Jesus. Verse 8, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Notice Paul is saying, I am not commanding you. All right? Did you hear that? Now, if anybody could command us in the New Testament, it would be Paul, right? All right? But he's saying, I, I, I don't command you. I can't command you. But I want to test whether or not you remember and know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're given a test here. Who, though he was rich, yet for your sakes became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. You'll never be liberated in life. In time, in ministry, and money. Unless you look at the grace of Jesus Christ. Because the grace of Jesus Christ will liberate you. The experience of the grace of Christ changes your heart. And the model of grace that Jesus gives us becomes our rule of thumb, right? Because Jesus comes to us and says, listen, no matter what's in your account, Your integrity, your honesty, your morality, you live your life unto yourself. And I've called you to live unto me. And I had to come and die for you. And I paid the penalty for you. And if you receive me as Savior, you have real riches. You have the riches of adoption. You have the riches of a family. You have the riches of acceptance, even when you fail. I'll put my life into you. That's power. And it's a game changer. That's a real riches. And when you know that, the grace of Jesus Christ, it transforms us all in a powerful, powerful way. And as you have received Jesus Christ, who is precious, and everything else in your life that used to define you has now become eternally expendable. It changes the way you look at your stuff. That's why Paul can say, do you know the grace of Jesus Christ? He asks the question. Do you know you're spiritually poor no matter what was in your bank account? Do you know that you have real riches in Jesus? Jesus gives that to us as a gift. To the extent that we know that, that's liberation. The experience of grace gives us a change of our personality, and the model of Christ's grace gives us the guideline then. You see, Jesus Christ gave everything, and so people are constantly asking me, okay, how much should I give then for 2022? What do you think? Well, look, if Paul can't command you, I can't command you, right? I'm not going to tell you what to give, and I don't even know what you give, right? Uh, Paul wouldn't, but, but here's your start when it comes to financial giving. The tithe, the Old Testament required all believers to give a tenth of their income each year. 
gross. But the New Testament doesn't say much about it at all, quite frankly, except very indirectly. So what are we to conclude? What we conclude is then is this. Are we more blessed or less blessed than the Old Testament believers? You tell me. Are we more indebted or less indebted than Old Testament believers? All the way down the line. So the real question is, is it possible the New Testament says, well, the Old Testament believers were required to give a tenth, but for you, I think the reason the New Testament doesn't bring up the tithes is because Jesus did not tithe his life or we'd be lost. And I believe that the only possible explanation is the Old Testament is the standard and we go from there. And for some, you know, to try to go through and reach the tithe, you just can't do it. But there's some, if they tithe, they're not even hurting. It doesn't even make them sweat. And the point is, there's some guidelines here, and we'll talk about that next week, a little bit this week. But the reality is when we understand that, it changes everything. It's a lifestyle. Verse 3, the Macedonians gave what? Not according to their means. They were able to give as much as they were able, but beyond their means. Ordinarily, the limitations of our giving, you know, is to give according to our means. And then we store some aside. But these Macedonians what they did was they cut into their lifestyle. We're going to give to the place where it actually changes how we live. So that's the first point there, is that the model of Jesus is that we give so that it shows how much we love the Lord. You forego some legitimate wants to fulfill other legitimate needs. If we don't, we're just giving God the leftovers. And country music is full of this, you know. There's a song called Buy Dirt right now, you know. Yeah, you just heard that, didn't you? All right. You know, put a little money at the plate in church. I said, yeah, good God-fearing American. All right. Um, listen, God wants us to give as our Lord gave. You know, there was a farmer whose prized cow had given birth to two calves. He said, honey, unbelievable. My cow, I thought was just going to have one calf. So we have two. We'll give one to the Lord and give all the proceeds to the Lord. She says, that's wonderful news, sweetheart. I look forward to seeing how the Lord's going to use that. Comes back a few months later and says, oh, honey, we've had a horrible day. You know what happened? She said, what? The Lord's calf died. She says, I don't remember which one we decided was the Lord's. She goes, oh, no, it was the Lord's calf that died. Ours is fine. <laughs> it's always the Lord's calf that dies, right? No, my friends, number one, we, we, we don't give. It changes our lifestyle. We give so that it affects our lifestyle. Two, we give cheerfully. You know, we'll talk about that a little more next week. But we don't just give because we're guilty. I should give more. No, it's, it's, it's an attitude that I want to give. Because I know the gift of God and it's liberating. So in closing, let's take the long view here. Put your money into things that last. 
if, he, if your teenager got $50,000 from grandma, you know, let's say grandma just left your, your teenager $50,000. I was asking the Lord to do that when my grandmother died. That just shows you my immaturity when I was 15. You know, maybe she'll leave me some money. Um, and your teenager goes out and buys $50,000 worth of food, clothing, a car, and video games. What would you say? How stupid, you know? Why didn't you invest it? Make it grow, right? Listen, friends, only one billionth of our lives is going to be lived on this rock. When the sun is so old that it dies, we're going to be there to see it, all right? So the real question is, are we putting all our money into things that will outlast the sun? Are we using our time? In things that outlast the sun. Are we using our ministry in things that will outlast the sun? Anytime I think of, anytime I use the word money in this series, just think of all of our lives. Because that's what stewardship's about. You know, all of you can hold a baby, right? We need help in nursery. All of you can smile and welcome, a, welcome people as they come into church. All of you can help out with the various little church needs that we're doing coming up in the next few weeks. The stewardship. So most of us put our money into things that will burn up. But people who don't die and the work of the Lord and the word of the God who doesn't pass away will last forever. And if we put money into this kingdom, into things the owner says we should put our money into, and get rid of any hint of robbery, stinginess, we'll invest in things that last. You heard, you know, if you keep reading in Matthew 6 where Jesus says, you know, you can't serve God and money, he says, don't be afraid. Consider the fact that God takes care of the birds of the air and the grass of the field. You're much more important than the birds of the air. You know, every time I go, I went to the Synod this week. It was a wonderful time in Fort Wayne with our diocese, really for the first time for me. You know, we're getting rid of the loopiness of our diocese. You know, those of you who have been to Synod know what I'm talking about. It's Bishop Mark I love. He's bringing structure and order, respecting the three streams of Anglicanism and, uh, you know, good, some good church discipline. He's closed seven churches that needed to be closed. It was great to be there. But when I go, Kim doesn't feed my birds. I got these bird feeders in my backyard. And, and uh, you know what her excuse is? She just quotes scripture to me. She goes, well, God will take care of the birds. <laughs> I, but you look out back, and they're empty, and there's nothing there but a bunch of squirrels looking angry at you and goes, what is up with you? Right? So this afternoon, I will go back, as it always happens, and I'll feed my bird feeders, and I'll go back in, and a few hours later, guess what will be there? Squirrels. <laughs> You're right! You know, I can't keep those suckers away, but the cardinals will come, the, the little, little birds, I don't even know their names, they'll be there, you know, because um, God takes care of them. So if you're one of those who struggle when it comes to making a pledge or a tithe or, or worrying to the tithe, God will take care of you. But if you're one of those who, who are blessed with a wonderful financial portfolio, you are sitting on a powder keg. 
don't drift along with the way in which your wealth will probably take you, which is this. The more money you have, the more you need for security. You have a nice cushion to sit on. No, you're sitting on a powder keg to be used for the glory of God and for the kingdom of God. So the test, number one, is do you know the grace of Jesus Christ? It's real. It's there. Though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor. And so the natural objection is my money, my time, my ministry, it's mine. Well, the answer that Paul is saying, well, Jesus might have said my blood is mine. My life is mine. Then where would you be? So how would you do on the test? Have I truly surrendered all of my life unto Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? Do I forego legitimate needs, legitimate wants to supply legitimate needs, giving sacrificially rather than just a tip in my time, in my ministry, and in my treasure? And do I give in response to Jesus Christ's example of giving all his life for me? So pray throughout this week, not only with your financial pledge, but with your personal worship pledge, with your Bible reading pledge, with your, the way you love your neighbors, where you live, work, and play, where you do ministry here among us at Christ Church, as well as your financial pledge for 2022. So pray as couples throughout this week. If you're a widow or a widower or a single, pray. Work through your budget. And I want to encourage our young people. I began the habit as a teenager this is really even before I, I, I really came to the full understanding of who Jesus Christ was. I, I, I filled out the pledge card and walked forward down the aisle in 1979 at Truro Church, dropped it in the harvest basket like we're going to do next week with a pledge of $2 a week. Because that was my allowance, $10. If I did everything... I, on Fridays, I was allowed to approach my mom, my mom and dad. This was our, this was our drill. You know, Friday when I got home from school, I said, Mom, can I have my allowance? If she said no, it's because I I got paid it all or nothing. Because I had a list of chores that I had to do, and if she had to tell me to do them, I didn't get paid. You know? And there was extra things. Gene, would you vacuum? Sure. I like to vacuum, right? You know, I'd almost come over and vacuum your floors for a hobby. I just enjoy it, you know? (laughs) And so I, I love to vacuum, but that wasn't my chores, all right? If I didn't do the other things she asked me to, I wouldn't get paid. And so I just want to encourage our young people, you know, you get paid something, right? Give it to the Lord. God will honor that. And I want to encourage all of us to go and give generously in everything because that's who we are as God's people. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day, and thank you for the grace, this act of grace, which the Macedonians participated in. I pray that we, too, would excel in this act of grace also, and that, Lord, you would do a wonderful work in us as your people in every aspect of our stewardship, our trusteeship, whatever you want to call it. I just ask, Lord, to continue to do that good work in us, all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.